0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode brought to you on the 4Eyed Radio Network. If you want to see more shows, eh,
1: check out 4EyedRadio.com, eh? Sorry about that. You have been listening to the Ranger Command
0: Power Hour at the 4Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command Power Hour is a gas. Yeah, hey, 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 It's
1: the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, Episode Twelve, Ranger Nation Interview, Kerrigan Mayhan, recorded on May thirty-first, two thousand fourteen. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as b 47 And I'm Zach, also known as The Cinema Slob. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RavenCruise.com. Today we are interviewing Kerrigan Mahan, actor, voice actor, writer, director, He is best known in Ranger Nation as the voice of Goldar in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers through Power Rangers in Space, the Magnet Defender in Lost Galaxy, Jeb the Dog in VR Troopers, and numerous monster voices in the franchise. He's also done a lot of voice work in anime and animation, including Robotech, Initial D, Batman Beyond, The Angry Beavers, Vampire Hunter D, and Robotech. Currently, he is starring in and producing the Goldar and Me shorts on YouTube, as well as a new short film called The Redemption of the Monster of Pedras Blancas. You can also check out his work on evilspacealiens.com. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour, Kerrigan.
0: Wow. That's quite an introduction, Eric. Thank you very
1: much. I don't think you missed the beat. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> all <laughs> well, right, all right, all right. Yeah, (laughs) it's great to have you on. We finally got a break in your busy schedule.
0: Well, I love love doing these things. I've done a lot of them over the years, and um, I kind of hid for about 16, 17 years. I was just into other things, and my sister, Kelly, God love her, she's such a fan of me, not just uh, (laughs) Goldar, and she said, you really need to jump in and play. And I said, do I? really? And she talked me into it. And so here I am. And I, I, I'm having a ball.
1: Yeah. First, I just wanted to thank your sister, Kelly, for helping coordinate the interview and also her husband. They both work in music and sound design for movies, right?
0: Kelly has worked for years with some very A-list uh, directors and producers as both picture editor Sound editor, music editor. She did a lot of work with John Williams, and Thomas, of course, is a. I mean, Thomas is a is a five star musician, stand up five string bass, a classical composer, techno genius head. He's why I'm sitting here. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm sitting in front of a 747 trying to. Figure out- do now (laughs) go over here go there he walks me through it he's so patient and I'm getting better at it I just I struggle with how user unfriendly so much of this is it's like so what do I do now where do I go
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes all of it gets a little bit too confusing for me too and I know computers so along that line with you know your sister and your brother-in-law has the entertainment industry been a big part of your family overall? Well,
0: we're three. Without exaggeration, we really are three generations Hollywood. I wouldn't say we're, we're not Kirk and Michael Douglas, obviously. <laughs> but, um, and actually, quite frankly, they they would be three, I think, now because Michael has – I don't know if Michael's kids are involved. I'm not sure what the deal is there. So they're really two generations. When I say three mm-hmm. – my father started as a child actor, and uh, my grandma came down with my grandpa from um, Port Townsend, Washington. When my dad was five, she sent—he—he he was doing radio shows when he was five years old—and my grandma decided to send a picture down to Daryl Zanuck, and uh, you know, say, you know, they didn't know anything. They would—they, mm-hmm. you know, come on, get real. And, and Zanuck actually answered her and wow. said, uh, "We like his look." We can't promise anything. <laughs> We're not paying your way down, but bring them on down. <laughs> oh, great. So they literally sold everything and piled their what whatever they had left into a Model T and hauled down from Port Townsend, Washington to Hollywood. And inside of, I think, m- about six months, my dad landed in a cereal called the, uh, the Jones Family, which starred Spring Byington and was what they called cereals. There were one one-hour serials that aired before the big A-list movies. And there's, a there's you know, I've tried to research this. I've gotten nowhere. But I believe the term keeping up with the Joneses actually came from the Jones family, which ran from 1935, 1935 to 1940. Wow. <laughs> and it is responsible for the MGM j- then decided, now, wait a minute we got to do something because this Jones family is bringing in all the audience that are coming into the A-list movies. Well, they're really across the country. We're coming in to see what's the next installment happening with the Jones, the Jones family. <laughs> so, so they decided they, they were going to come up with one themselves. And that would be uh naturally, I can't think of it way more famous Uh, MGM with uh, Mickey Rooney and and Judy Garland. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's now I'm embarrassing myself. Anyway, (laughs) they blew the Jones family out of the water with those two. Anyway, that's where my history began.
1: So how did you get started with, was it because of your father?
0: Well, I think it's like any other thing in life with families. You know, more times than not, the apple doesn't fall far and I think it's a safe assumption that you know I would go out on a limb and say at least fifty percent of all people wind up kind of being in the same business as their as their dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know whether you're a plumber, a contractor, or whatever it is. Usually the kids wind up going the same way unless they you know are slammed over the head. You will not follow what we're doing, and you're going to get A's, and you will become an attorney or a doctor. I knew I wasn't going to be any of that. I knew in the oh, quite frankly, I would say the. Third grade was my first endeavor in a little skit we did. And I played the, uh, what do you call the storekeeper in the old days in the Old West. It was a different name.
1: The 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 general store clerk? General store guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right there I was like, now I like this. (laughs) And of course, you know, my whole family was just absolutely do not go into this business. Don't do it. Get a backup. Get a backup. In fact, my father used to carry on. You know, I mean, my God, how many times did he say, get, 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 get your plumber. Get, 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 be a plumber, for God's sake. Have a backup. I had no intentions of getting a backup. I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. I yeah. won't go near electricity. <laughs> uh, I, you know, none of those things were going to happen. They just were not going to happen. So I was acting from basically – there wasn't much to do from third grade to sixth grade. But the minute I got into the seventh grade, I wound up in beginning wins was my, what do they call it, a, elective. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I wound up in that because <laughs> I don't think junior drama, I don't think you could go into junior drama out of out of sixth grade. I think you, the, it, I don't think it was a choice. I think you had to go one more semester before you could make that choice. Mm-hmm. And I played the trumpet and I I wound up, you know, being second chair. I had a nice tone, but I knew this was not for me. It was Mm -hmm. like, it was okay. And and I knew that I would never be able to hit anything higher than a high C. And that's the end of that. If you can't, if you can't hit those high notes and I know, I knew my muscle and my lips just would not get there. I could have practiced for a year and it's like, I I might've gotten one over a high C and that's not going to cut it. Plus, you know, Don Bricker and Colleen Fowler and Cindy Porter were a lot more interesting to me in junior drama than <laughs> what was happening in Beginning Winds. So <laughs> And and the teacher, Mr. Bright, begged, just begged through the summer. My mom, please, he please, he's so good. I want him to go into junior band. And she said, Carrie Mr. Bright really, really wants you, and I said, "Mom, I don't care what Mr. Bright wants. I like him. He's a nice man. I'm going into junior drama, and
1: that <laughs> was that." <laughs> well, good for you.
0: <laughs> so I never looked back. Quite frankly, I, I, you know, like any actor, I did plays from seventh grade. I was thrown right into uh, play production in the seventh grade. I went mm-hmm. straight from junior drama into play production, and I never stopped through high school. There I jumped straight from play production in junior high straight into play production in high school, which is unheard of. And I did a monologue for them, actually. I I was very enamored of of the movie Patton. So Mm. if you can imagine at 13, literally (laughs) 13 years old, I'm like imitating George C. Scott and doing the Patton speech. And that's how I got into play production at Westchester High School right off the bat. Boom, you're in. And I was intimidated. I mean, don't think I was some big oh, yeah. shot. <laughs> oh, no, man. I mean, all those seniors that are like, wow, this is the big time, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. My uh, my grandma, my grandma Madge, uh, worked for Frank McCarthy, who produced Patton. And yeah. I actually got to go to the Academy Awards that year, where Patton took nine, I think nine. I still have the program.
1: How old were you? Was that in high school?
0: 16. Yeah, 16 oh, wow. years old. Yeah, I have the program. Uh, <laughs> I drove my aunt's 1968 Mustang and I got to drive and driving, you know, up on the red carpet and all that thing. Of course, you know, nobody nobody's pointing at us. They're all going, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> but not- and we were not in prime seats by any stretch. But boy, when they announced Frank McCarthy for Patton, oh, wow. oh, forget about it. <laughs> the emotions. The emotions is, as I say it uh, right now, huh? <laughs>
1: I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your sister told me about this short film that you're working on called "The Redemption of the Monster." of uh, I'm probably it's all right. Sense.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for you there. <laughs> sure, Piedras, Piedras, P I E Piedras Blancas. Actually, Eric, the movie's made. I made the short, and that's how these things sometimes get you know convoluted. You know, it's like the game of telephone. It's like, well, we're close. <laughs> I actually made the little picture 2 years ago. It's a made picture, it's done. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it was done as a uh, as a community project. Well, let me tell you something. There's not one ounce of community project about it. I hunted down my cast. My I said to my wife, it was in the paper that this is what they wanted to do. A couple of uh, women in the 70s, you know, tried to do a little, you know, a funny little 8mm re- remake. Of, of The Monster of Piedras Blancas, which was a film in the 50s. It was ghastly, and it was trying to mirror, jumping in and, and doing a variation on the monster of the, what is it, the Black uh, the Lagoon? The, Ligeru- the Black Lagoon, but, yeah. Yeah, the more the, the more famous one, certainly and equally as horrid, but, <laughs> and they were, they were just ghastly. I mean, this film is unwatchable. It's actually, I would say, <laughs> definitely check it out, and you can actually watch the whole movie the, the original, on uh-huh. YouTube.
1: Is this like a mystery science theater type of movie uh, no, that no, they would make no, fun no, of? No,
0: no, 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 Just a straight-up horror movie. Just okay. a straight-up ghastly... They did a run of those horror movies in the mid to late 50s, mm-hmm. and I would say probably they did... You know, there were probably a hundred made, I would guess. The Monster of Piedras Blancas is rather a classic. And wh- how, how, are we dealing with this up here? They shot it up here. They shot it up in Cayucas. So these two women advertised in the paper, they'd made a little 50 millimeter thing. And, and of course that was just ridiculous kids running around <laughs> trying. It's like, my God, there was no sound. <laughs> and I read this and my, my wife, Melanie, my lovely wife, Melanie, <laughs> who keeps me somewhat centered, I believe she says, you have to do this. I said, Melanie, they want to show this on July fourth. We're in the middle of May. They have no script. They don't know what they want. They want it all. They want it green. They want it the redemption. They want to. They want it kid friendly. They want it scary. I, I said, My God, I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't know where to begin. And I also was in the middle of writing another screenplay with my writing partner, and and it's just like we can't take time out to do this. She said, You are doing it. You must do this. I said, All right, fine. came up with a story somehow. My writing partner, Steve, kept throwing things out, as he does, and I kept going, nah, bullshit, crap, that's crap, that's more crap. Then he threw something out. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. What if we mirror blah, 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 next thing you know, we throw them our idea, and they go, yeah, 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 we love it, we love it, we love it. And all of a sudden, I am in charge of this entire movie that hasn't even been written I have no cast, I have no real crew, and, you know, we're advertising for everything, property masters, cinematographers, sound people, and not much came forward. Mm. And I'm I'm getting real cold feet. I mean, we've got now a script, and it's like, well, who's shooting this? I'm not a shooter. I'm a director. Mm-hmm. But don't take me anywhere near those cameras. <laughs> I'll look at the monitor. That's the end of it. And say, look, you've got a little something there in the frame. Well, that, that's a little problem. Fine. But, you know, you push the buttons. Leave me out of it. Bottom line, I got it cast with amateurs across the board. Actually, there were two pros that have been working on and off for years, and now live up here. Mm -hmm. And so it's endearing. I'm very proud of it. I still can watch it, and it brings a tear to my eye. I did an original score, actually foleyed it. We had some ADR. Another little girl had to do the singing part because the girl I had couldn't sing. She actually did the scene to playback. We have a 25-minute short that we shot in 12 days and had finished and completed in 30 days.
1: That's incredible.
0: (laughs) It is. It it is incredible. And it's going to be available on my YouTube channel. We're hunting down the trailer. We made a little trailer. We'll get it. (laughs) and it'll probably go on there, and the movie will probably wind up going on for sale. Again, it's just one of those things that was so challenging, Mm -hmm. so demanding. At times, I just thought, I'm I'm out. I can't do this. It's killing me. But it was well worth it. The payoff was beautiful. That's the basic story of the redemption of the monster of Piedras Blancas. It also won Best Film up here in the film festival for Best Local Short.
1: Oh, congrats. We actually heard that another Power Rangers alum was involved in this, uh, Scott Page Hector.
0: He did the score, and he did a beautiful job. I've got to tell you something. He called me literally two weeks. He said, Care, I can't score your movie until I have a locked picture, and that's the way it works. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's not... You can't keep editing because the composer is writing to the frame. If I decide, you know what, I want to hold that expression on her about another beat and a half. Well, that just threw his meter. So he scored the film... I kid you not, he scored my movie in three days.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's a beautiful score. I mean, it's so fun. It's so much a part of the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, he so came through for me. But he literally called me and said if I don't have a locked picture today, I can't do it because we're down to the wire. I'm out at two in the morning dancing around as the little 11-year-old in my stocking feet as she bounces up to the door in her little uh, – she's in a wetsuit, you know. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, if anybody saw this, they, they would arrest me. You <laughs> 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 guys lost it, you know. <laughs> and, and Randy Allen, who cut it for me, Scott Stevenson, who shot it, I was under the impression was going to be editing it. This was not his thing, and it's like, you know – He's kind of looking at me saying, who's going to edit this halfway through the production? I said, what? I thought you were. <laughs> oh, my God. So I begged. I got on my knees. Randy and I go back about, oh, I don't know, eight, nine years. And he's been shooting around here locally for years and an excellent editor. And if I hadn't had him, I, we, we film wouldn't have made it, period. And we worked day and night to get that thing edited we were 12 days in a row, 12, 14, 15-hour days. And he did it. We did it. I'm very proud of it. And I, I look forward to you seeing it.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. Also, you're working on these uh, Goldar and me shorts. Yeah. And the first one was completely hilarious.
0: Well, I'd like to say this about that. I just saw the next one, my editor, who is a different editor and shooter. I am, I'm working with a different shooter on these. Her name is Emily Delk, like Welk. Only death. He is 19 years old, graduating college. She has been shooting since she was eight. She has shorts that she's made single handedly on YouTube. Look her up. She is going to be the next Tarantino. She's humble, she has no attitude, no ego. And I am telling you, I am so excited to be working with this girl who has eight projects going that she has to wrap up for school. She has another week, and somehow she sends me this over literally last night. I did not see it last night. I woke up. She said, I had a few hours this evening. What do you think? She cut it in a few hours, and it's (laughs) tremendous. And I'm telling you, now, I shouldn't say this, but I will. I say that all the time. I (laughs) I I had already had a very, very long, grueling Five hours with what is going to be the third installation. Mm-hmm. And dare I say, there's some Shakespeare involved. And it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's crazy. OK, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but I'm worn out. I have done a particular speech probably 12, 14 times with 14, 15 different angles. And I play a couple of roles. That's it. That's all I'm giving. OK. Anyway, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. And now we're coming back to my place to shoot what is going to be the one that's going to be on next week. There's two little tiny tweaks I want to do with a couple, one little edit. She's a tad ahead of it. And, you know, boom, boom, that'll be done in a second. And Thomas will mix it and color correct it, and it'll be on. So, anyway, we start that. I'm toast. I'm acting to playback. So, mm-hmm. the one we did earlier in the day. I didn't have to act to playback because it was just a different scenario. It was different. Okay. This one, I pre-record Goldar, but it's a temp record, meaning we're going to actually record it again in the live room. But this is now for me to act to me. In other Mm -hmm. words, Kerrigan acting against Goldar on the playback. Well, I'm telling you, it adds an element of extra anxiety. It's like playing Beat the Clock. So right. you're messing around. Your head's messing around with the lines that you have down, but but it's an added anxiety element that's no fun. And I'll never. We're not doing that anymore. Daniel will memorize the lines, or somebody will read the lines off stage in Goldar's rhythm. And
1: then you'll do ADR.
0: Well, and- I yeah IADR, Goldar anyway. I mean that's yeah. yeah that's done regardless. But going to playback like that is just too much pressure. And Hmm. my lines were all over the map. And God love Emily, she just sat there with the camera and let it roll. And I kicked and screamed. I said, "God!" At one point, I just had a half meltdown, going, "I can't keep these lines in my head." (laughs) Well, that's why I'm so impressed with what she did with the edit, because I, of course, I did get through it. I mean, obviously, when you see it, it's like, "Well, there are the lines." But there is a pressure to act on camera acting. There just is. Keeping Mm -hmm. the lines together. You know, it's not like doing stage. You've rehearsed stage for six weeks. Opening night is nightmarish. Mm -hmm. Most, 50% of all actors throw up on opening night. That's an absolute fact. I'm a tweener, meaning I come about as close to throwing up as, as one can get. Yeah, once you're rolling on the stage, there's a comfort zone there and it's also that fourth wall is not a camera lens and mm-hmm. and you can cheat a little meaning it you know the camera just doesn't lie you can't get away with anything right plus the added technical element of on camera acting is what people most people don't realize you have to match your moves you mm-hmm. have to, you know if i fold my hands like this in the master that choice is behind us i have to do that in every every other setup or it's not going to cut right So, you know, I was uh, kind of physically all over the map when I did this, and I was certainly trying to match myself, but, you know, I was toast. My head was toast, and, you know, we got it. (laughs) And it just looks tremendous. (laughs) My sister wrote me the email, just said, in all caps, ha, 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 we couldn't believe it. We're laughing out loud. Oh, my God, this is going to slay. So, good. I'm having fun. So, uh, I have uh, the fourth one in mind, and I'm not sure when we're shooting it, but I'm in no hurry now, because we've right. got, we'll have got we play this one, and then the next one, and, and then, you know, before I know it, Morphicon.
1: Which we are very excited to, both of us, Zach and, and myself, will be there at Power cool. Morphicon. So, cool. we'll definitely see you there.
0: I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there with bells. I can't wait. And I'm not allowed to announce... So I'm allowed to tease. So let's say, how do you do that? I'm teasing, not announcing three more in the future. I, Excellent. I can't say. I don't know why. Just he said, don't announce yet, but they're a lot. And one so, I just signed the contract on yesterday. Anyway, we got one. Let it suffice to say, here's the tease. There's a September, there's a February, and a March. Well, anyway, and... I can't believe I'm not going to the Florida Supercon after that video. But
1: it, it happens. Those. But needless to say, fans have many opportunities coming up in the future to meet you at a convention.
0: Oh, yeah, and I've never had more fun. I mean, I had more fun at Lexington.
1: Which I am so kicking myself that I missed this year because I went to the one last year, and it was a great time.
0: I'm stunned. I was just stunned at how many people came through there.
1: Yeah, from what I've heard and seen, it was probably twice or three times as large as what it was last year. That that convention is, yeah, it that was convention.
0: Actually, it was at a point claustrophobic. They couldn't move on the floor. Yeah. They could not, they couldn't literally, and I do have claustrophobia. You could go behind the booths and, mm-hmm. and get down, but then you'd still hit a little traffic. Yeah, boy, it, it was uh, crazy. Don't try ordering a scotch, though. You know. <laughs> If you like you have three heads. They don't know they've never heard of Johnny Walker Black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we actually have some questions from members of Ranger Nation. And the first one is from Scott Sandler and it deals with conventions. He asks, Since you've embarked on the convention circuit, have you struck up any friendships with actors that you have yet to work with? It's
0: a great question. I like questions like that let me think on that for a minute sure well i did say hi to william shatner who i did a tj hooker 152 years ago and uh (laughs) and i i went up to him before he went on and i said hey we did a tj hooker together oh he says did we what year was that (laughs) (laughs) but he had that you know kind of (laughs) like yes and he's looking at the phone and he's texting like everybody else <laughs> and I I said yeah I, we did a scene where I'm racing on the back lot in a jeep and I'm a bad guy and the other bad guy got away and you come s- slamming through in the car and you jump out you run up to me and go where is he who Idaho. I don't know Idaho. And I don't know and I did it for him and he just went <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> let me try to answer the guy's question I would have to say no. What seems to kind of occur at these things is we're all somewhat isolated in those booths doing our thing. Mm-hmm. And aside from grabbing a bite to eat in the green room, and again you do, you, you grab food. The fans didn't come there to see an empty booth. And then uh at night, like a kind of like at parties, you know, people people pretty much hang with the people they know. Yeah. I always have fun with Bulk and Skull. And I love them so much. They are so funny. I'm so horrified at being on a panel. I don't want to be next to them because following them is like, <laughs> forget it. <Just, laughs> touched that? I mean, how do you touch that?
1: He, you can't.
0: <laughs> God, well, the one ran off to get the other one hot coffee and they spilled the coffee. And it's. Like, and I'm like, and I was next after they finished their <laughs> dinner. And I don't get intimidated by much anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to roll. And I'm just going, oh God, what I wouldn't give to just get up and go to the other end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next we have Jeff Moses at Kerryu HiroKen. And he said, my question would be, how was it working with Rito Revolto's actor Bob Peppenbrook?
0: Well, that's a funny question too. I, I'm enjoying these. These are good questions. Bob and I had a sorted relationship. First of all, when you ask, how is it working with Bob?
1: Mm-hmm. None
0: of us worked with it, anybody. I came in and worked with Scott Page Pagter. We single-tracked everything. Mm-hmm. Aside from jumping in at times doing the putties, which is what's called a loop group or doing walla, where there were three, four doing the putties. And sometimes I would go ahead and jump in and do a putty session because I was there. And that's kind of the way the putty sessions worked. It's kind of like, you know, whoever wants to stick around and do some putties, we're doing some putties. Well, needless to say, it's not a difficult gig doing the putties, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but when you dare say anybody can do this in that respect, you're absolutely right. Right. (laughs) Much of the other stuff, don't try this at home. (laughs) So in answer to, it's a twofold question, it's a twofold answer. We don't really work together. That's the point. We're passing ships. Right. My dear uh, nemesis JDF and I were passing ships, and <laughs> I guess we just kicked off a relationship that he decided was not going to be on any level. And I said, okay, let's go ahead and look at each other and give each other the silent treatment. If that's what we're going to do, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And I made a couple of attempts, but that was that's enough of that. And right. so that's carried on for twenty one years.
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till
0: you see the third installment. We got a little <laughs> uh, we got a little fun in there too. Okay. Okay. So the second part to that is Bob and Kerrigan. Yeah. Bob came into all of this kind of late in the game. He ran a high-end hardware place, you know, with the high-end fixtures and all that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he'd done quite a bit of acting in his earlier years, and I don't quite remember what, how he wound up coming into things. I do know we had a big, huge birthday party for somebody up in Big Bear, and one of the most fun days I ever had in my life was him Driving that boat, and we were all taking bets on how long you could stay on what's called those—they called them whales at the time—or those tubular things. That-
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And man, it was intense. I mean, <laughs> the boat was going. I mean, and Bob was driving it, and he's absolutely crazy. He was. He, he's nuts. I mean, he's certifiable. And I—nobody could beat me. The thing would turn over, and we'd be under. I'd be underwater. It's like riding a bull. I stayed on yeah. it. Till- nobody could touch me. And Bob worked so hard at getting me off that thing, turning into his own wake and doing like, I'm talking 35 miles an hour here Yeah. on the water. You wipe out or you're going underwater at 35 and getting yourself back right up. That was a great, great, great fun day. He wasn't quite into the scene yet when Mm -hmm. we had that day. And we had a nice, fun, easy going relationship when we did some stuff at Intersound. And one night, one night, one night, there was a card game, poker game, and Richard Horvitz did something wrong in the game because he wasn't familiar with the game, and Papenbrook just called him down, made fun of him, <laughs> embarrassed him, and, of course, old Kerrigan sitting here always rooting for the underdog, and I called Papenbrook down, and he looked at me and said, you don't really want to go there, do you? And I looked at Pappenbrook, and I realized, no, I really don't. (laughs) And so I kind of, dare I say, I basically I somehow backed down. It was pretty clear I I was the chicken. (laughs) There's no two ways about it. I'm going to tell you right now, I was not going to come out on the right end of that. I was not (laughs) going to come out on the right end of that. No way, no how. The only thing I would have had going for me is I'm, again, very claustrophobic. And chances are I can squirm out of anything, even mm-hmm. at this age. Don't start wrapping me up because I am I will get away. So on that note, <laughs> that was pretty much the end of mm-hmm. Bob and Kerrigan. And we were nemesis in real life from that point forward. And it was stupid. We could have made up. I could have stepped forward and said, hey, Bob, but I just kind of had enough. Anyway, I think he did a good job. I got no ill will toward a dead man, first of all. I feel badly that, that he died, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a lot of personality, and he had a lot of demons. Let's just leave it at that. All right. So don't we all?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next, we have Sean, at Snarky Sean. He said... How often did you end up losing your voice? Is there any home remedies that you can suggest for amateur voice actors?
0: Well, God, these are good questions, Eric. I've never had questions this good.
1: Um, well, it's our fans. It's our listeners.
0: So. Yeah, this is we good stuff. I mean, you know, these are uh, – I would love to get more questions like this when I do these panels. Okay, great. No, I never lost my voice, never came close to losing my voice. Now, that's not to say I haven't didn't lose my voice in, in other work, uh, which I'll share in a moment, but the key to Goldar was I rolled a lot of air. I roll a lot of air over the vocal cords, and it took me, once I realized the show was up and running, which is another question I get, gee, your voice sounded like it was different in the beginning. Yeah, you're right it was. I didn't know what I was doing with it and realized I better figure out this voice real fast. And I had a basement in my Burbank house, a little basement that I played drums in. And I went downstairs and I spent about an hour, about an hour finding it. And mm-hmm. and there it was. Um, there's also, there's a spray. Probably best to just, I, you know, I don't use anything and I haven't used anything as far as remedies, but there's a lot of good stuff out there now, uh, homeopathic stuff mm-hmm. and sprays and all of that. But quite honestly, if you're losing your voice, you're not using it properly. You're not breathing properly. I did so many looping sessions on big movies or TV shows through the years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had a rule. Even yelling, there's a trick to yelling. You don't scratch, you don't want to scratch your cords. Yeah. If you scratch your cords, you're getting into trouble. So, my rule for Goldar was 45 minutes. That's how long I could sustain without my voice getting tired and and that's where where you get into trouble when it starts right. getting tired the cords are swelling mm-hmm. and 45 minutes is what I could get away with i also had very hot headphones you want it's just like a rock and roll singer you want to hear it even if you don't have headphones which i of course i never ever didn't have headphones for that role i mean right. you had to be just right but the other trick is of course you can wrap your hands and there it is and i would do a little quick Little quick warm up, you know, just like that a little mm-hmm. quick, fifteen seconds, 20 seconds before let's let's knock start knocking these out. there you go. Oh yeah, I lost my voice on Jack Nicholson played Jimmy Hoffa on Hoffa. We did five days on Hoffa and all the rioting, screaming, yelling, screaming, yelling, and I knew I knew better. this was ridiculous, and I made a rule after Hoffa. Mm-hmm. whether they liked it or not. And some people said, oh, Mayhan, Mayhan, get him on the screen. He's such a prima donna. And I'm like, okay, you go ahead and blow your cords out. But I have other jobs. I have promos. I have trailers. And I yeah. can't afford to be screaming my butt off. I'm sorry. I mean, I'll scream so much. And screaming is a trick, too. It really is.
1: Now, going back to Hoffa and Jack Nicholson, is that where you got the inspiration for Jeb? <laughs> On no, true I mean,
0: of course, uh, Jack, yes. I mean, nothing yeah. to do with Papa. Always one of my impressions has been Nicholson, since I can remember. I've used him on all kinds of different things through the years, but absolutely, Jack. I mean, it was Jack.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> and then I said, do you want to go with Jack? And Scott said, I love it. <laughs> it was, you know, virtually, au- actually, yeah, Jack was an audition. That, that doesn't come up often, but mm. the whole crew. The whole crew of us auditioned for Jeb, And I might have thrown a couple more things at him on the oh. audition, but I i just thought I looked at that dog and I said, God, I mean, I think we—I je- think it's Jack. <laughs> and Scott cracked up, and Tony Oliver loved it. And, you know, they basically signed off. They said, bada bing. And he was fun to do. He was fun to do. That role was fun.
1: Well, uh, Zach actually oh. does a pretty good job. No. <laughs> <gonna do> <laughs> Uh, go ahead. Let's
0: see, okay. hey, bro. Virtual reality's a gas,
1: Ryan. You gotta go to the virtual world. Not
0: that's bad. About, <laughs> not bad that's at all. As,
1: that's I'd about like as good a jack a as I can more do. More
0: with it, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see, this is—he's the master. I'm just—I'm yeah. I'm the apprentice. Going, teach me thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jeb 2014. Uh, when these kids come up to my booth. <laughs>
0: god sometimes just sometimes i'm like oh my god you didn't just do that and, you know, <laughs> listen, listen 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 to my gold. listen i do gold art I yeah do gold art.
1: and i'm like oh,
0: no i no, don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, mean, I can only no, imagine yes it's, it's it's so painful and you know and, and some of them do it some of them have a fairly decent gold art and, mm-hmm. you know i don't it's my voice, so <laughs> right. finding Goldar and and trying to you know hit it—that's not easy.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. you know he's still my t- my tone, and I have a kind of a, a, a different, unique-ish kind of a tone. Uh, you know, Michael Douglas could probably do a, a good imitation of my Goldar because we come from that same tonal area. If that right. makes sense. But yeah, I've, I just sometimes it's like you can't you can't do that again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> next, oh, next really?
0: I mean, there's some crazy things that go on throughout the course of a day.
1: Uh, yeah, especially at these conventions.
0: I, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah.
1: Oh, Next, we have George Hansen Jr. He asks, "What were your biggest challenges in voicing the Magna Defender? He's a complex character, and it must have been fun to voice him."
0: Absolutely. Uh, He was one of the handful of roles that I've had in voiceover that was multi-layered. He required good acting, just good acting. He was a tortured soul and trying to figure out what he was doing and how to do it. And it was all over the map with that stuff. So the challenges were basically just good acting. And I loved jumping in and doing a part that you really got to dig deep. That was the challenge. I mean, I didn't just knock out the lines with him. I took A little more time making sure I got enough in the performance. Uh, so sometimes there would be, dare I say, three, four, five takes as opposed to a gold r one, two. Mm-hmm. On that note, I got to do a shout out here to okay. uh, just a shout out to uh, Laura Jean Rock. She's a big Magna fan. So Laura Jean, I'm just, I'm so conflicted. I'm in quiet hell all the time, you see. Something like that.
1: All right. That's fantastic. (laughs) That's excellent.
0: I'm a tortured soul, Laura Jean. And it's never going to change.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Uh, Next, we have our good friend Uchi at Anime Redneck 96. And he said. What is the funniest or most favorite moment of your career?
0: Oh, my. There's a stumper. There's a stumper. <laughs> All right, could we move on? Because I'm going to let that simmer. Sure. Okay. And I'll come back to him. <laughs> but I've got to think because there's so many. God. Okay.
1: We've got kind of like a, two similar questions, so I'm going to combine them. Mighty Jez said Would you be open to reprising your role as Jeb the Talking Dog? And Jonathan Himmelfarb said, my question for Kerrigan is, if he'll come back, would he rather come back as Goldar, Magnet Defender, or even both?
0: Absolutely both. I would love to come back. I really think it would be a win-win, as crazy as this is, and I step away from that as Kerrigan, looking at it from a very objective standpoint. Mm -hmm. There's no proof of what happened to me. It was kind of ambiguous. There's no reason in the world... I think the show would benefit, and I think we could do four, five, six mind-blowing episodes of me coming back and really raising unbloody hell. I think it could be Oh, yeah. Again, nobody loses on that. I just think the show could use an interesting thing like that to happen. I don't know what the movie's going to be. be. I have a feeling my hunch is they're going way big. Like mm-hmm. that trailer that was circulating, I'm afraid. I said to those kids, uh, you know, you're messing around with something you don't own and nothing good is going to come from this for you. My right. feeling is he finally said, we're doing it, and I'm guessing it's going to be – I mean, again, I'm, this is all speculation, but oh, yeah. this is my whole life. I'm going to speculate that this is going to be a 50 $60, 70000000 million movie, and dare I say, not only are we not coming back – But I would venture to say if Goldar does come back, it won't surprise me if if Russell Crowe is playing him. You know, I don't know how far they're going to take this, but I would love to think, wow, you are going to bring us back. But it's tricky because stars sell tickets and... Stars have much bigger fan bases than any of us, so I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm sure we've come up in meetings. I mean, I'm sure they've discussed how they're going to approach this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Lord Zedd is going to be doing it, but I don't yeah. know that, Rob, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if we should maybe even start to try to get in touch and well, say, well,
1: well, here's here's one possibility that I think is good for Goldar to return, and I know a lot of people, especially the actors, they don't watch the Sentai, the original uh, footage. But the new season coming up is called Dino Charge, and it's based off the Japanese series Kill Ruger. And in Kill Ruger's movie, there is a new Goldar that comes back, like he's uh, resurrected. And it's a new suit design, but it's his character resurrected. Wow. So maybe there's a possibility there that they might use that footage for the new power ranger season coming up. So maybe wow. <laughs> that, I, I hope so. Cause that would be awesome. I just, yeah. you know,
0: I would come back in a second. Um, you know, it always comes down to like anything else in life. It does finally come down to money mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Quite frankly, I'm not holding out for some, I mean, whatever my feeling is now take care of me. Fairly and I mean it's only going to benefit me ultimately. Right. The, the fact that this character is you know, there's not a, a a lot of characters in historically, Eric, that have sustained for twenty one years.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: The very fact that we're having this dialogue, I'm grateful.
1: Well, we are grateful for you being as in love with the character as the fans are.
0: Well, it was Great fun to do. I wished he'd stayed a little tougher, as opposed to getting so goofy there in the end. I wasn't <laughs> sure what was happening with all that.
1: Well, okay. he's he's not comical in the resurrected version no. from Japan. Right. Yeah, he, he's pretty bad.
0: Good, good. That would be fun because I got a lot of anger still. I'd like to get out. Of <laughs>
1: So, Kerrigan, we want to thank you so much for being on today. How can the fans get in contact with you?
0: My YouTube channel, just type in Kerrigan Mahan YouTube, and everything comes up.
1: Well, there you go. So
0: everything will be there, and a new site is being put together. Thomas is putting together a whole new site, and that will still be KerriganMahan.com. Okay. So that will be coming, and please go to... See the new video of Goldar and me next week. And soon there will be the opportunity to purchase the redemption of the monster of Piedras Blancas, (laughs) which is wonderful, I think, and everybody else thought so. Thank you, Eric, so much. Thank you, Zachary McGinnis, my appearance agent at Galactic Productions, who has taken and continues to take such incredibly good care of me. And thank you, my sister, Kelly.
1: Yes, Kelly was, yes. was great in helping set this up. and She's Kelly wonderful to talk to.
0: She's the gem. She's a very deep, wonderful, funny, smart, compassionate person. And thank you, Thomas, who equally so just make this all work for me so much. And my wife, Melanie, thank you so much for putting up with all of this madness.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, all thank, right, you, thank you very much. It's been fun. Hi, this is Kerrigan's sister, media manager, and number one fan, Kelly. The best place to reach Kerrigan is on Twitter at The True Goldar or on Facebook at Where Else? The True Goldar. Your best bet is Twitter as, well, he hates Facebook. So once again, at The True Goldar. Oh God, if he only knew. <laughs> Give him a tweet. He loves to talk. been listening to the ranger command power hour only on the four-eyed radio network you can catch a new episode every other saturday find us on the morphing grid at www.rangercommand.com follow us on twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash rangercommandpowerhour
0: This has been another proud production of the
1: 4-Eyed Radio Network. You want to see more shows, go check out www.4eyedradio.com, you winkers.